It was a hot spring day in Central California. If any of you are from out there or have been out there, you know a little of what that's like. It's dry, so it's not humid like Orlando, but it, the sun just bakes you an additional maybe 10 or 20 or more degrees. It was a hot day and I was hiking up a path with my dad. We were just coming around the corner. We were in the outskirts around Fresno, right in the middle of California. Great big boulders all around us. Not all this lush green like Florida has, but more the rugged type of beauty. Just coming around a corner, taking some time together to go for a hike more vertical than just horizontal like we have here. And I, for some reason, was in front charging ahead. I must have had a lot of energy. I'm a morning person. And all of a sudden, my dad said, Julie, let's switch real quick. I'll go in front. You go behind. Okay, dad, sure, whatever. So we switch, and he goes on. And less than a minute later, he stops he stumbles back, he almost falls on top of me a little bit, so we kind of come down, I almost try to break his fall as best I can, and, Dad, what are you doing? What just happened? And he stops, and he kind of points, and we look up ahead, and there, just around the bend, right where he was about to step, sitting on a rock, coiled up, is a rattlesnake. A big rattlesnake, a serious one, it's got its rattle there going, and it's looking with its eyes fixed right on us. In that moment, my dad came up. He was able to look ahead and anticipate and see. It probably was around this level for him. If I'd been in front, I can almost guarantee you I would not have stopped. I was not paying as much attention as I should have. He always talked about wildlife. Okay, dad, sure, we'll all be fine. We love nature, nature loves us. I would have plowed right into that and it would have been probably right more test level for, level for me. These are the moments in our lives that we're, we just think we're living, we just think we're doing something insignificant, it doesn't matter. But these are the moments where we realize, that could have been a lot different right now. Something else could have happened. I could have gone a different direction. This could have been a defining moment. These are the times when we stop and realize, there's more going on here than I realized, and there's more, there's someone out here too, not just me. There's a moment in the Bible where someone realized that in the midst of a crazy situation that he probably felt very alone. This is uh, maybe a young teenager, a middle um, young adult man running away from home. And we find his story in Genesis chapter 28. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're in Genesis chapter 28, starting in verse 11. If you don't have your Bible, if you don't have it on your phone, you can look in the pew right in front of you and we'll be on page 20. So you'll see that book right in front of you beside the hymnal. We're on page 20, not too far to turn to you. And as you're getting there, I hear the pages turning. Let's have a word of prayer for his word. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, thank you so much that you chose to speak to us that we're able to read this book and treasure it. God, make your word come alive through this next time and through the time we spend together. Help us hear your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis chapter 28, we find Jacob. Jacob means deceiver, and that's what he was doing. He had just told a big lie. He completely tricked his brother 
out of what was rightfully his, the inheritance, his brother was so angry, wasn't just angry enough that his parents took away his phone, wasn't just angry enough that he didn't talk to him for a week. He was so angry, he said, I'm going to kill you, Jacob. And he heard about it and he, he knew my brother is serious. And if you've ever had your siblings mad at you, it's never a good thing. But this was another level. <laughs> he said, I've got to get out of here. I've got to run away. So he grabbed something really quick and he set off as quickly as he could. Jacob runs away and he is going throughout the day and eventually it gets dark enough, the night is starting to set and he realizes I'm gonna have to stop. I'm gonna have to make a little camp and I'm gonna have to sleep. So in verse 11 of Genesis 28, he stops for the night because the sun had set. He didn't take, have very long to pack. He wasn't able to take anything nice to sleep on. He didn't have a pillow. I don't know if they had pillows back then. So he takes a rock, taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. And there's Jacob, imagine that moment. Can you get any worse? Can you get any lower? He's lying on the ground with his head on a rock thinking, what have I done? And what's about to happen to my life? What's about to happen to me? And in that space, God meets him. He had a dream, verse 12, in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. And he said, Jacob, you messed up. Jacob, I'm so disappointed in you. Nope, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. And he gives him a promise. I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to do good for you. I'll never stop doing good to you and your family forever. And he says, verse 15, I am with you, Jacob and I will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. You're going to get to come home. You won't have to be away forever. I will not leave you, Jacob, until I have done what I promised you. Isn't God good? This is what he says to Jacob, and Jacob is just so shocked. He's so overwhelmed. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, verse 16, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it, mercy. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And so he ends up calling the place, he takes the rock that he slept on, he sets it up, he calls it Bethel, which means house of God. For Jacob, this was an amazing moment. This was a divine moment. We might say a God moment where God showed up in his deepest struggle, he became real to him. Have you ever had a time in your life that seemed like a God moment? Maybe it wasn't quite that dramatic, but we have these defining moments in our lives where Jesus shows up. Maybe it's something smaller, maybe it's something big. There's an author, and I'll just, we'll just put that up on the screen, named Alan Wright, and he wrote a book called The God Moment. And he defines these moments in our lives into five categories. And they're kind of helpful because sometimes, as we've been talking about through our series, we say, let's share, let's share our story. Let's share what God has done for us. Well, what's your story? Tell me about yourself. And it's a little hard to, to stop and say, oh, what is my story? Do I have a story? 
But when you break it down like he does, sometimes it's easier to see what God has been up to. So today on our very last message, right before our freedom campaign, we wanna get really practical and say, okay, let's boil it down. What are those God moments in our lives? So I'm gonna talk about five God moments that Wright goes into and share a little bit of how they've looked in my life. And I invite you as I'm sharing my stories to think about your God moments and where he's shown up for you. So he talks about five different God moments. The very first one that he talks about is amazing rescue. Kind of like the story I shared at the beginning. This is a time when maybe you were driving, maybe you were in some type of situation, something should have happened to you, and God delivered you. He protected you, he saved you, he kept you safe, he healed you. One of mine comes just when I was a baby, when I was two years old. You'll see a picture on the screen. I was growing up in Holland, Michigan with my family. There's five of us, we'll come to us next. Yep, there we are. So if you haven't met them or you haven't seen them, there's my lovely parents, Don and April. I think my mom might be watching, so hi, love you. There's my older brother, he is a software developer. There's my younger sister, she just turned 21 and she's in college. So they're all amazing, they're all in Tennessee currently. But my dad's a pastor, and so we moved around a lot. So we're currently living in Holland, Michigan. I was two years old. My mom had some type of playgroup going on. We lived right beside the school, which had a nice playground by it. And if any of you have seen playgrounds over the years, they've changed a little bit. And so at that time, we still had a little bit of the exciting playground equipment that today might not be allowed. And so there was a nice, big, tall slide with one of those skinny, rickety little, little ladders that went up to it. And my mom tells the story. I don't know how this happened. Maybe she was with my little brother. He was still toddling around himself. But she says that she came around the very edge of the playground and there she saw over by on the, the ladder, little Julie, two-year-old Julie, climbing up the ladder, almost on the very top rung. And my mom's just like, what is this? What is she doing? She's just crazy. And right in that second, she doesn't even have time to think. I'm climbing and little two-year-old me slips and starts to fall down from about 12 to 15 feet high in the, in the air. And in that moment, I can just imagine what my mom must have been thinking. She ran as quickly as she can over there, and I'm falling down, and she comes over, and I come, and I'm there, and I'm lying on the ground. And my mom looks, you know, what, what's, what would have happened? Is, she, is her neck broken? Are her legs broken? What's, what's going on? She, she doesn't have a cell phone probably at that time, but maybe where's the nearest phone? And, and, and she looks at me, and I'm not even saying a word. I'm not even crying. She said I was just lying there, slightly stunned. And the only way my mom can explain that is she, she tells me, I think your guardian angel just took you when you slipped and just kind of floated you down and just set you down. Whew, I'm very, very grateful. Without that happening, I definitely wouldn't be here today, probably in the same way that I am now or in the same shape or form. Amazing rescue. What are your stories? Have you ever had an amazing rescue? The next God moment that Wright talks about is holy attraction. This one, you might say, oh yeah, I've experienced holy attraction and God led me to my significant other. Well, that might be, praise the Lord for that. I'm happy for you. Holy attraction means any time when God helps you desire the right thing. A time when Jesus whispered to you and the Holy Spirit talked to you and said, this is what I want for you. 
Maybe that was a time when you actually met Jesus and you decided to give your life to him. Maybe it's a time when you chose to recommit or to take a new step. Maybe it's a time when you were in a situation where you could have definitely made a choice that would have driven you farther away from God and you decided, no, I'm, I'm gonna move towards Jesus. Whether it was maybe a relationship, maybe uh, a friendship, maybe a decision with a career. Maybe you were in a situation where people are having some type of conversation and you said, let's change the subject. Maybe, maybe someone was about to do something and you said, no, let's, let's go this way. Let's, or I'm a little tired, I think I'll head in. I don't think I can stay out tonight. Holy attraction. Think about in the Bible, a, a good example would be someone like Joseph, if you know his story and his temptations that he faced and he chose to stay true to Jesus. Holy attraction. For a time, we're gonna keep moving, but think about in your mind, moments of holy attraction in your life. The next type of God moment that he likes to talk about is an unearned blessing. Whew. Have you had any unearned blessings? A time when Jesus just showed up big in your life a time when he did something for you that you didn't deserve. I've had so many, even since moving to this church, times when God provided for me, times when people in this congregation were so kind, whether it was helping me with my car, whether it was just feeding me, whether it was giving me a hug. These little things, right, make such a big difference. Has God given you any things like that? Just an unearned blessing, just an, um, and a gift of grace. Unearned blessing, that's a third type of God moment that he talks about. The next one that Wright talks about is revealed truth. Yes, I was deciding on order last minute there. Revealed truth is a time when God showed you something. Maybe it was something about himself. Maybe it was something in his word. When you read something or you heard something, you heard a message and it changed your life. Maybe one of your friends or a colleague told you something and they spoke into your life. They told you something that you needed to hear, a conversation, revealed truth. One of those moments came, I can remember it, just several years back I was, it was the summer of my junior year. So I was about to graduate, I had a, a year left, I was about to start um, interviews to graduate and see what would happen and where I would go. And I was doing a summer internship at a little church in Atlanta. And it was so much fun. God taught me a lot there. But I remember one particular day, it was a Saturday, and we were worshiping, we were singing, we were enjoying. And I was there and I saw this couple come in. They're friends of my dad, wonderful couple. Their names are Gerard and Felicia Carter. They're educators. And they came in and they said, we wanna come experience this. They live in Atlanta, we wanna see you. And so they sat down and they're the type of people that just, mm, they're just good people. They love on you, they love Jesus, they have a lot of wisdom, they've been around a couple years longer than I have. And we began, after the service ended, we began to talk. And I don't really know how we got to this point in the conversation, but all I remember was what came next. Felicia started talking to me. And she started saying, oh, what's happening and what's next in your life and this and that. And all of a sudden, Felicia starts telling me about this dream that she had. Does God ever speak to you through dreams? God can speak through anything, right? He said, I was having this dream, and in my dream, 
there was, I was out and I was on this very high mountain. And I don't know how I got up there, but she's up on this mountain and she said all of a sudden this fog rolled in. Can you imagine? Just this, this dense fog and it covers the whole mountain and she couldn't see anything. And Felicia says, I'm standing there and I was so lost and I was scared and I was confused and I didn't know how to get off. I didn't know how I got in there. I didn't know where I would go. And she's looking around trying to find a way, but she can't see anything. And all of a sudden, Felicia said, she looked and there appeared one golden footprint, just one. And she looked at that and she thought, well, what am I supposed to do with that? And something told her to step in that. But she said, but there's only one footprint. I don't know where I'm gonna go. No, just go ahead, just step in that. So she reaches out her foot, she can't see anything. She steps in the footprint and guess what happens? One more golden footprint. And she walks into the next one and then appears another one and another one until she's able to move off the mountain. And Felicia, and I'm listening to this and going, wow, that's a very amazing dream. And Felicia looks at me and she said, Julie, that's all you need, one golden footprint. A lot of the time, God doesn't give you the whole entire path. He doesn't lay it out before you. All you need is one golden footprint. And you know what? I've carried that. That was revealed truth. I have carried that with me. And when I got the call to come to Florida Conference and I was wrestling and praying and saying, oh God, that sounds great, but do you want me to go as a missionary somewhere? Do you want me to, to go do this other thing? Lord, I wanna follow you. And Jesus said, this is your golden footprint, right? Forest Lake Church, it's the golden footprint. This is where I want you to be right now. Praise his name. I'm so glad he led me here. Revealed truth. The very last type of God moment, and you can probably think of more, but these just help us to think about them in our own lives, is called valuable adversity. That one can seem like two different ideas coming together, right? Ooh, adversity, that means a hard thing. That means something you maybe don't like. That means a sad time, a difficult time, but it's valuable. Valuable adversity is a time when you went through something hard and Jesus was with you. Maybe in the moment you didn't even feel his presence. Maybe in the moment you didn't even think he was there, but you're able to look back and say, I know God was there and I know he didn't waste it. I know he was with me. One of those in my life, and I'm sure all of us have maybe a few or some that, that are ongoing. God moments are happening all the time, even this week. But one of mine happened my sophomore year, this, this, the year after my sophomore year in college. I was studying at Southern Adventist University, if any of you have been there, and I decided to take a year as a student missionary. If you've never heard of a student missionary, what that means is that you take one year out of studying and you decide to volunteer somewhere. It could be within the United States, it could be outside the United States. So I prayed about it and I ended up going to San Luis, Brazil and I loved it. It was absolutely beautiful. So if anyone is there, Feliz Sábado, como vai você? It was so fun getting to know the people, getting to know the culture and the language and the food and all the hugs. I got more hugs than I'd ever had in my entire life every Saturday. But it was also difficult. Due to different circumstances, I found myself experiencing a lot of isolation. 
where during the week I would be working on curriculum or didn't have a good transportation method. And so I would be at the house sometimes all week long, um, almost by myself to, to a point for most of the day, just kind of going through and, and so ready for the, the Bible study or the Saturday when I could see everybody and it would just fill my heart. But it was difficult, and month after month went by, and I, I kind of looked around at others, and I thought, man, Jesus, I don't think I'm doing a very good job here. I don't know if this is the role for me. I don't know if I should be here. This is, this is really hard, God, and I prayed and, and struggled through, and, and I remember this day, this time in January or February, and I had prayed, and I said, I know God led me here. I know I'm gonna stay and it's gonna be good. This last part, I'm gonna put my all in. I'm gonna try a couple new things and we're gonna see how this goes. It's gonna be good. And right around that time, a wonderful thing happens where my visa, I realized the type that I had gotten and gotten advice on getting was going to end. I'm seeing some nods. Maybe some of you have been in that situation. I thought I had researched and figured out a way that if I came back at Christmas, that would be six months. Then I could come back and do another six months, but that's not how it works. Now you can go to Brazil much more easily, in case you're wondering. Not at that time in 2016. So I get this news, you need to leave the country. But no, I have four more months. I'm supposed to still be here. This is my mission year. I'm in the middle of everything. No, you have to go. So I packed up my bags, what other choice that I have, and I took a flight home to California. And I landed there, and I didn't feel very good. And the next couple days, I actually got sick because I just, I was so worked up over what had happened. Jesus, I wanna, I wanna serve you. I, I just wanna love people and I wanna help and now I feel like I can and I'm stuck here. But okay, God, you led me here and so let's work on trying to get that new visa. Let's try our best. So we get all the documentation and try to get everything together and get all the things compiled. It's quite a list. And we drive all the way to the consulate and we get there, it was in San Francisco. And so we get there and I turn everything in. I'm just waiting, we're gonna do this. And they come out, denied. Okay, no problem, drive home, we're gonna try again. We're gonna fix that error, we're gonna take care of that thing, we're gonna get an additional paper, I'm gonna get this visa because I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna finish my mission here. Keep on working on things. And all during this time, life is going on. I'm just sitting at home, trying to help, trying to do something. And I remember writing down, God, it's hard to understand your ways. It's easy for me to question whether this is you or just some terrible mistake. Did I do the wrong thing? Should I have gone somewhere else? Should I have done something else? I don't even know. We continue to work on documentation and go up the next time, the second time to the consulate. Let's go, let's go, this is gonna be great. I get there, denied. What am I supposed to do? Well, I didn't sign up for classes because I'm about to go back to Brazil. I didn't get a job because I'm about to go back to Brazil. So I cleaned the house and I tried to learn to make bread and I volunteered at the school and I just tried to keep myself busy. Some of you have been there. All the while seeing my friends posting on Instagram and Facebook their mission year. They are exhausted because they're, and this is wonderful, but this is how it felt. They're teaching all day and oh, they're hiking up the mountains, carrying their water and they're saving the world. And I'm here in Fresno, California, make, sweeping the floor, you know, or colossal, right? And I'm just saying, Jesus, what? 
what am I doing? Why am I here? You know, was something I did? And third time, third time, it was, it took a lot. It was stretching my faith. And my dad has a lot of faith. And he's like, let's buy you a flight by faith. Okay, dad. So I pack up my suitcase and I get all ready to go. Documentation. We got this. Get to San Francisco. And I'm like, yes, God, like I believe this is going to happen. I'm going to get on that flight and I'm going to go and we're going to finish this out and it's going to be good. And I'm there third time denied. <sighs> Jesus, what is this? And so I go home, I unpack my suitcase again in the living room. I'm sleeping on the couch. Like, God, I, I don't understand what's going on. And throughout my life, God has been so good to me. And I've decided to do some, to journal. And so now I have journals from years and years. If you haven't journaled, definitely encourage you to do so. It's amazing to look back and see moments. But I can look back on those four months is how long I ended up being home. And just see times when Jesus spoke into my life. And one time he told me, Julie, I'm, I'm unraveling you. I'm bringing you to that place of brokenness. I'm teaching you humility. I'm teaching you service. Right now, you don't feel like a success. I'd written this before and I, and I looked back at it. But I don't measure success the way you do. You're a success in my eyes. You answer the call you've given every day to me. That's all I ask of you. I love you. He was so good to me again and again. I can't tell you the reason why it happens when people say there's a reason for everything. Sometimes life just happens. But I can tell you that Jesus was so faithful. And on January, no, June 23 of that year, over four months later, I got my visa back. And so I was able to go for five weeks before school started. But I'll tell you, I think I have a picture. I'll tell you those five weeks were so much fun. That's a picture of Caleb. It's sort of like a Pathfinders, a youth camp that they do. I'm somewhere in the middle with my eyes closed. But what an amazing time. And what an amazing experience of trusting in God. Valuable adversity. What are your God moments? When you look back on your life, where has Jesus showed up? Or maybe now, as you're able to look back, and only now you can say, God was there with me. Is there a time when he gave you an unearned blessing? Is there a time when he revealed truth? Maybe a valuable adversity, or maybe you're in the middle of one right now. At the end of your pew, you'll notice, whoever is at the end, I'm gonna need your help, that you have some plastic bins or maybe some buckets up in the balcony. And you've got little pieces of paper and you have a pen or two, there's some in the aisle, but if you would pass those out, I'd like to give you just a moment to take that piece of paper and to write down a God moment. Maybe one that has come to your mind during this message, maybe one that God is bringing to your mind right now. When's a time when you can look back and you can say, oh, that was a moment, that was a moment that God was with me. And in just a moment, we're going to have the chance to actually put those up and then someone's going to help us do it in something more permanent so that next week you can see everybody's. So don't put your name on it. Don't write your whole life story. It can be just a word if you're not a big writer. It can be a word. If you're a kid, draw a picture, a picture of when God was with you, a picture when he protected you. When is your God moment? So I think we're going to play some soft music, and I'm going to ask for the deacons to come forward. They're amazing. They're going to help us. 
and we're gonna have a long line stretching all the way down the sanctuary, and this line is for our church's God moments. So whenever you get that written, I just invite you to move towards the middle, or you can have one person on the end of your row be the, the tribute, and just to take those and clip them on with the paper clips. That way we can see everybody's. So go ahead, take just a moment, share the pens around. There's some in your pews. You may have one that you brought with you, but go ahead and if you would, write down your God moment and Lord, just lead us in which one that should be. Go ahead and write down a God moment in your life. Again, it could have been a blessing. It could have been a time when God spoke into your life, when he spoke to you could be valuable adversity, maybe holy attraction. He helped you to choose the right thing. What is your God moment? Free to come on up once you have it. Help your friends. What's your God moment? Small or big? you continue to come up we're just going to sing a song together feel free to continue coming up we'll have a song as a congregation and keep thinking about your God moments and then we'll close together sing together. Lord, whose love in humble service bore the weight of human need, who upon the cross forsaken worked your mercy's perfect deed. We, your servant, Bring the worship. 
beautiful. If you're still coming up, that's okay. We're gonna put those out for next week. These are our God moments. Do you see them? Sometimes we don't notice where God is in our lives. Sometimes we feel like we don't have a story. Sometimes we're not really sure what God is up to. We compare ourselves to our neighbor. But church family, this is our story. This is your story. This is my story. And most importantly, this is God's story. How good he has been. There are people who need to hear what you wrote down today. You might think it's very insignificant. You might think it doesn't make a difference. But to someone else, that will be their revealed truth moment. That will be when they need to hear God. My challenge to you and to myself as we end this This Is My Story series is to pray this week about who needs to hear your God moment. Is it someone in the younger generations, someone in your family, someone coming up that needs to hear your story of faith? Is it someone in your family? Is it someone down your street? Is it a coworker? Is it a friend you know that's just struggling? That God's gonna give you a chance to have a conversation and just say, this is how God was with me. Whoever that is, I invite you to share it this week. The world needs to know. When you start to look for God moments, you start to see God everywhere. And people need to know he's real. Let's close in prayer together. Dear Father, God, our hearts are full. There has never been a time in our lives when you were not faithful, when you were not who you say you are. You are good. You are love. You have always been and you always will be. Thank you for giving us grace. We love you, God. You know the middle of the moments we're in, whether they're good ones or challenging ones. We trust you and we thank you for being with us. God, as we finish this series, send us out to your world to share your story and let our community know that your love is real. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.